Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is a great big history podcast, and in this episode of History 101, part two of China, we do Confucius. So Confucius lived in a warring states period in the 5th century BCE, from 551 to 479 BC. Um, those are uh, round dates, accepted dates. Um, he is a teacher in a warring states period, and he is a contemporary of Sun Tzu. <laughs> the funny thing about Confucius is he's a failure in his lifetime. Why? Well, because he's a teacher in a warring states period. He's not really useful. Sun Tzu, as a general, on the other hand, with his, his handbook called The Art of War, with his teachings on how to win battles, is fabulously in need. Everyone wants to hire Sun Tzu. Who needs a teacher? Who needs a teacher of ethics in an age where you're at war all the time? And so we, you could already start to see how Confucius is going to feel about war and politics and civil war. And so he dislikes violence and destruction. Why? Because it means his students can't be students. His students are soldiers. His students are out at war. Schools, which are places built for lots of people to inhabit, get used by the military, whether for hospitals, whether for bunks to sleep in, or more, more likely, places to store lots of death and violence. Places to store equipment and food for the army. Schools are always used in war like this. Why? Because they're one of the few places architecturally built for lots of indoor space for lots of people. And so he can't be him as long as China is at war. Why would you, would you go to university if you were in a civil war? No, you'd have to worry about making money or protecting yourself or protecting your family or fighting in the war. So he dislikes violence and destruction. And we will see this in his philosophy. Three, he's going to write on ethics and social responsibility, how one is supposed to behave. Again, not the kind of thing that's necessary in a warring states period, because the first thing that goes out the window during a war, especially a civil war, is ethics and social responsibility. That has completely broken down. Of course, that's what Confucius is arguing. That's China has broken down into these warring states, into this civil war where Chinese people are murdering each other because they have thrown ethics and social responsibility out the window. So what he comes up with is a way to stop violence. That's what he wants. He wants to stop civil wars. He wants to stop violence. And his philosophy is brilliant in this because it doesn't invent anything. It just points out the way societies work and says, if we follow the way societies already work and actually obey those rules, we understand them and then obey them, we won't have civil war. So how does this, what is a pretty complicated concept come down to? It comes down to 
your position equals your responsibilities plus your obligations. That's all it is. As complicated as Confucian philosophy will be, it comes down to a very simple algorithm. Your position equals your responsibilities plus your obligations. So let's start with you. I know I'm going to use the, the masculine gender normative stick figure. Um, that's what we're using. That's where we're starting. Uh, and so we're going to start with you. Well, with me, I guess. I don't know. You, you may not be a gender normative uh, straight um, hetero. Well, that would be straight uh, man. But that's what we're starting with. So our stick figure, we're going to do Confucianism through stick figures. We're in a, we're in a very complicated philosophy using stick figures. And the best way I know how to do it and the way I've done it is just to go heteronormative. Sorry. But it, apply this as to your situation because it doesn't really matter because we go back to your position equals your responsibilities plus your obligations. So we start with you. Do you have obligations and responsibilities by just being you? Yes. Why? Well, what does everybody have? Everybody, every human has beyond the biology. What does every human, because I'll get people who have ears and like, no, 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 no. We talk about society. What does every person have? What do they all have in common? We all have parents. We all have a father. We all have a mother. We may not have good relationships with them, okay? We may not have a close relationship with them, but we have them because of the nature of sexual reproduction. Sexual reproduction needs to take the sperm from a man, the egg from a female, from a woman, and put them together. So it's the sperm from a male, the egg from a female, and put them together. That's the sexual reproduction so you have a father and you have a mother do you have responsibilities to that father and mother in a normal situation we all know there are situations I, I just use the word normal see so heteronormative right now we're, now we're into nuclear normative nuclear family normative but do you have responsibilities to your parents or how about this? Do your parents have responsibilities to you? Those of you who are parents, do you have responsibilities to your children just because you're their mom, just because you're, your, you're their dad? In theory, yes. Yes. And what are those responsibilities? To care for, to feed, to clothe, to educate, basically to raise them so that they can one day be an independent adult. Basically, keep them alive so that at some point they are an independent adult. Right? At 18, if they're like, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. I'm out of here. You're like, good for you, son. Good for you, daughter. Vaya con Dios. Fare thee well. Remember us at birthday times. Right? So, you have responsibilities to a child. Does that child have responsibilities to you? Yes, obey. 
go to bed when you say to go to bed, not eat plastic, right, or poop, to do what you tell them to do, to study, to go to bed, to listen, to not lie, to uh, all the things you constantly go, go, just do what I'm telling you to do. They're supposed to just do. Why? Because they're the child. If you have ever said, I'm the mommy, that's why. You are Confucian. That is a Confucian philosophy. I am the mommy, meaning that is my position. That's why you have to do what I tell you to do. That is Confucianism right there in a bumper sticker. Now, parents have responsibility to their children. Children have responsibilities to their parents. Okay? Now, again, we're talking an ideal family situation, right? We know that we can, we, can, we can erase these green lines of connection and we can change them and we can change our stick figures and we can do all of that stuff. So, but we're just trying to keep this simple. Now, do most, are most people in the universe alone? In their family alone? Is it just them, them and mom and dad? No. They have brothers and sisters. They have siblings. Do the parents have responsibilities to those children? Yes, they're children. They're the parent. So there's the same responsibility. Do you, as an older brother or older sister, have responsibility to your younger brother or younger sister? Yes. And it's the same responsibilities. Keep them alive, right? Don't let them eat poop. And do they have responsibilities to you? Yes. They have to do what you say. Have any of you who are older ever used your younger siblings as a slave? Go get me this. Go get me that. Go get me this other thing. They're your work. They're your workhorse. And have you ever had an older brother or older sister do that? When mom and dad are around and they're like, oh, go get me a Coke and go get me this thing and, you know, polish my shoes and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. So it's the, as being the older brother, older sisters, the same responsibilities as being the parent to the younger siblings. And the younger siblings have the same responsibility to the older sibling as they do to the parents. Why? Because they are the younger sibling. Because they are the older sibling. Just their position. Now, people get older. It comes the spring. People's thoughts turn to marriage. And so they get married. Now, those of you who are married, did your spouse come alone? Or did they bring their entire clan and family with them? With all of their problems and all of their pleasures I'm going to bet they did. You didn't just marry a wife. You married her parents, her brother, her sister, her good-for-nothing brother. Because, you know, your brother-in-law definitely going, go, calling you up from jail at 4 a.m. We'll talk about that in a second. Do you have responsibilities to your wife? Yes. You have to take care of them, provide for them, right? Have intimacy, have a relationship with, right? Be, cold, be uh, emotionally nurturing. Different cultures have different versions of that. 
but you have a responsibility to your wife just because you are the husband. And you have a responsibility to your husband just by being the wife. Sometimes those fall on gender normative roles that society says this is what genders are supposed to do. And sometimes they're not. And those roles change. But there's still, you have a responsibility just because you're the spouse. And in fact, we know you have responsibilities and obligations because we say it, at least in America, in Christian societies. And that's your vows. You literally say in front of a hundred people, I promise to do X, Y, and Z. And then the other person says, all right, well, that was quite a promise. I promise also to do X, Y, and Z. And everyone goes, woo! Because then the person, the priest, the judge, or whoever, says, I pronounce you to be man and wife now that you have promised each other what you're going to do. So that's your vows are very confusion because you're saying, just by being me, just by being the husband, just by being the wife, I will do X, Y, and Z. Do you have responsibilities to your father or especially your mother-in-law? Yes. Does your mother-in-law have responsibilities to you? Yes. So this will happen to you one day. Gentlemen, you will be sleeping nicely at 3 o'clock in the morning. It will be raining outside and you'll be blissfully asleep and then the phone will ring. Your wife's phone will ring. And it will be your mother-in-law. Oh, there's a leak in the roof. I need help. And you will be then wakened up. You will be awoken, being like, my mother has a leak. We have to go help her. And you will say, why doesn't she call your brother? And your wife will then look at you in the dark, and you will feel it, and you will go, oh, yeah, that was a dumb question. Sorry, I'm, I'm waking up. And you will put on your slippers. You will put on your robe. You will get an umbrella, you will get a flashlight, you will go over to your mother-in-law's house, where you then look at the leak and go, oh, that's from the roof, and she will go, oh, honey, can you help? We can't have this leak, it will destroy the roof, it will destroy the house, and you'll find yourself at 3.48 in the morning, on the roof, with a hammer and a flashlight, banging away, bang, 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 not knowing what the hell you're doing just trying to help something while your wife and her mother are downstairs having tea talking about how useless her brother is in these kinds of situations. And that's why she didn't call, you know, your brother just is, he's never going to answer the phone, you know, and you're going to be banging away, hammering, being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, like, all right, I need a one by two, one by four. I don't know. I can't see. And why are you doing that? Because you are a husband. You are a son-in-law. That's why. It's not what you want to do. It's not what you're being paid to do. It's what you have to do. Why? Because you married a woman who has a mother who has a leaky roof. That's why. So what do all these people do? Well, all these people are also going to get married. And we're going to be progressive about this. Your brother's going to have a husband. Your sister's going to marry a husband. Your 
brother-in-law will have a wife temporarily or maybe multiple wives temporarily. Uh, your sister-in-law will marry a lovely woman, right? Do you have responsibilities to your wife's sister's wife? Yeah. Yeah. I do not care what you think about gay marriage. I do not care what you think about homosexuality. I don't care. Because your wife don't care. Because this is a situation. This is how you know you have responsibilities. Because it's raining. Because it's always raining. It's pouring, right? And you get a phone call from Lisa. Who is Lisa? Hey, this is Lisa. You know your wife's sister's wife? I have a flat tire. I'm three blocks away. Can you come and help me? Now, what words come out of your mouth next? And that will tell you whether you have a responsibility or not. If you say, yes, of course I will be there. Hold on. I'm getting my coat now. Boom. You have a responsibility. Why? Because you are married to this woman's... You are married to the woman's sister-in-law. Because you are married to a person whose sister is married to this person. The sister loves this person. Your wife loves your her sister. You love your wife. So you will do this. If the words coming out of your mouth are, I am sorry, Lisa, I do not approve of your lifestyle, and you hang up, what do you think is going to happen in the next five minutes? You are going to get a call from your wife. And, the, and you are going to say, hello, honey. And she's going to say, don't honey me. Go get that woman. Do you know who that woman is? That is my sister's wife. She needs help. She's in the rain. She is alone. And no husband of mine would ever leave that girl by herself. And if you are crazy enough to say, I'm sorry, honey. You know how I feel about this. I do not approve of their lifestyle. And hang up. Then one, you're not braver than me. You're definitely dumber than me. But here's what happens next. Five minutes after that, you are getting a call from your mom. And what happens next? You go get that girl. Well, mom, I don't. I shut up. You go get that girl, no son of mine. I did not carry you for nine months and raise you for 18 years and do all the thing and take care of you when you were sick so that you would leave this poor girl by herself on her own when you could help her. Go help that girl. And you're going to say, okay, mom, sorry. And you're going to go help that person. So do you have a responsibility? Yes, of course you have a responsibility. Whether you approve of it or not, I don't care. Because no one else cares. You have a responsibility. Why? Because you are married to the person who's, who's the sister of this woman. This woman is your wife's sister's wife. Boom. Done. Then what happens? Well... All these people have children. You have a child. Your wife's sister has a child. Your wife's brother has children. You, there are children. Do you have responsibilities to your child? Yes. 
They are the same responsibilities your parent had to you to take care of them, to raise them, to educate them, to wipe their bottoms, to raise them to be a, a independent adult. Do the uncles and the aunts have responsibilities? Yes. Do the grandparents have responsibilities? Yes. Mostly to let them do, to not let them die. It might be not to be so harsh on the rules, but also to keep them out of trouble. I am allowed to give my nephew a quick smack. Bang. Not whenever I want, but in certain situations, like they are about to put their hand in the fire on the stove or in the campfire. They're like, oh, I want a marshmallow. And they're holding their marshmallow and they're going to put their hand into the, mar into the fire. Right? I'm allowed to smack that hand. Be like, stop that. Why? Well, here's the situation, right? If, that, if my nephew puts his hand into the fire or about to put that hand into the fire and I say, you know, nephew, would you like to have a discussion about the pros and cons of putting your hand into the fire? And he puts his hand into the fire. His hand will be burned severely. He will cry. My brother will come in and go, what happened? And I will say, he put his hand in the fire. Now, what words come out of my brother's mouth? Exactly. Why didn't you stop him? And I go, well, uh, I tried. I had tried to have a philosophical conversation because I didn't want to, like, hit him to stop him at that exact moment that he was about to hurt himself. I figured I would use philosophy. My brother is going to say, are you out of your mind? He's, uh, we have to take him to the hospital. His hand is burned. He's got third degree burns because you, you hit him. You stop him. You grab him. Why? Because you have a responsibility. I, by just being the uncle, have a responsibility. So what happens? He's about to put his hand into the fire. I give him a smack. He cries. My brother comes in and goes, why is he crying? And he goes, oh, the uncle hit me. He goes, why did you hit him? Well, he was about to put his hand into the fire to make a marshmallow. And my brother then turns to his son and goes, are you out of your mind? You deserve to get whacked. Say thank you to uncle. He protected your hand. Why? 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 Because I'm the uncle. That's it. That's the only reason why. The grandparents have responsibilities. The aunts and the uncles have responsibilities. And you have responsibilities as a parent. And the child has responsibilities to all of them, which is mostly listen to them. Listen to uncle. Listen to granddad. Listen to grandma. Listen to, to auntie. Like, think about that. You, those of you who have aunties, how many of them do you have to do what they tell you to do? How many times, how many people can tell you what to do? And more importantly, have told you what to do at some point. Right? Even your parents are like, go give, give auntie a kiss. Go give auntie a hug. And you're like, no, auntie smell. No, go give auntie a kiss. Do what I say. I am the mommy. Right? And here's the crazy thing. You are all of these things simultaneously. You are a parent. You are an uncle. You are an, a brother. You are a husband. You are a son. All at the same time. And all of those different things are different responsibilities. You will find yourself 
in a, at a Christmas party, for example, you will find yourself in this situation. You will simultaneously be telling your child not to do something while your parent will be telling you to let them do the very thing you're telling the child not to do. Oh, come on, let him do that. It's not such a big deal. So your parent is treating you like a child, whereas you have to simultaneously be a parent to another child. That's how crazy our situation is in life. You are simultaneously many things. I am a professor. I am an uncle. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a puppy daddy. I am a grandfather. I am a ice hockey coach. I am a bandmate in my uh, rock band. I am a bandmate in my video game rock band. I am many things. All at the same time. And all of those things bring responsibilities. Do I have to come to class? Yes. I have to come to class. I have to come prepared to class. I have to be ready with information in a manner that you people can understand. Why? Because that is my job. That is what I'm hired to do. That is what you are paying the school to pay me to do. Would I like to be on my motorcycle across the Continental Divide? Listening to Bob Seger songs? Yes, of course I would. Who wouldn't? But no, I'm there in a windowless room, theater room, doing a lecture about Confucian fusion philosophy to you who couldn't care less. Or maybe you do. But you're there. Why? Because you're a student and you have to be there. And I'm the professor and I have to be there. Because that's what we're doing. That's our obligations. So is fun part of this? Is happiness part of this? No. Nobody has asked any of us if any of us are happy. Confucius doesn't care about your happiness. He has never mentions it. He cares about your position and your responsibility, your obligation. So is Confucianism ever going to be as popular as Buddhism? No. No way. Why? Because happiness in Buddhism is way better than obligation in Confucianism. Oh, my Eightfold Path, my personal journey, has me on my Harley heading west into the sunset, listening to classic rock tunes of the 70s or metal tunes of the 80s, right? My obligation has me grading your essay papers that many of you wrote about an hour before you handed it in. And likewise, by being a student, your obligations is to write a paper on a topic you just loathe and put off until about an hour before it was due because you have to do these classes in order to do the stuff that one day you hope you'll like doing. Do I try to make it more fun? Sure. Do you try to be interested in it? Of course. Does it always work? No. Let's keep it 100. But it's our obligations. It's not fun. 
Buddhism is fun. So you are simultaneously a son, a brother, a husband, son-in-law, brother-in-law, father. And so you all have different responsibilities and obligations despite being different positions. And if you are um, female or you are other, fill in the proper pronoun for that position. Because whatever applies to you is still all the things that you are. So what does Confucianism do? It combines people into a family. It combines families, creates a village. It combines villages to create a province. And if you combine provinces, you get China. So what Confucianism does is start with one person. We see this in Mulan, right? One person, Mulan. All the way. It's a chain of responsibilities all the way up to the emperor. Does the emperor owe me obligations? Yes. Protection. Safety. To clear the roads of bandits. To make it so that I can go about my life in safety and stability and security. And if something bad happens, to help me. If the Huns come, if the Mongols come, the emperor is supposed to help me. Do I owe the emperor? Yes. Taxes? that can help the emperor do what he needs to do uh, to follow the laws. If I'm not following the laws, I'm not obeying the emperor. I'm not obeying the rules of society, right? And in cases of emergency, if the emperor needs me, like in Mulan, to serve, to go, to do what China needs. So what Confucianism does is connect the emperor to the nobody, to a small farmer in the western provinces, in the middle of nowhere, and connects Mulan to the emperor through this chain of responsibilities. Like, why does Mulan go into the army? Why does she stay in the army? Why, when faced with other failure and being kicked out, Right? That's how the song goes. I'll make a man out of you. Right? Be a man. Right? He's like, you're through. You're over. I can't use you. What does she do? Figure out a way of going up the greased pole. That no one else had figured out. She continues to fight to stay in the military. Why? Because of that deep-seated obligation to her father, to the emperor, to China. Confucianism is a very conservative philosophy. Notice everybody is, there is no change. There's no liberalism in this. You are doing what you were supposed to do because of who you are. You were born a son, you have to do son stuff. You were born a daughter, you have to do daughter stuff. Because it's very conservative, it becomes very popular with governments. Because rule one of Confucianism is don't revolt. People have an obligation of loyalty. You have to support the emperor. But, and this is a big but, it also ties the government to fulfilling its job, to, to the mandate of heaven. It is a limitation on the behavior of government. It says government must take care of the people. 
government must help them in trouble. It basically legitimizes the mandate of heaven. So it ties the emperor in his capital with all of his wealth and all of his privilege to the smallest and poorest of farmers in the middle of nowhere. This is a successful philosophy. It is not as successful with people as Buddhism is. But in politics, it is the overwhelmingly successful governmental legitimacy. We see this in Korea, in Vietnam, and in Japan, as well as in China, again and again and again. If you watch um, Kingdom on Netflix, the Korean, South Korean, uh, Korean zombie movie, you see Confucianism all over the place. All of these, all of these government officials, the emperor, are always talking about their obligations. And sometimes their obligations get them in trouble. And sometimes breaking their obligations get them in trouble. Or their obligations to their, to their parents get them in trouble. Because zombies, because the whole thing about that zombie movie, a zombie series, it's not even a movie, it's a series, is how Confucianism breaks down with the zombies. Like, zombies aren't Confucian. And thus, chaos ensues. And so you'll see people go... My father is a zombie, but he's my father. I must take care of him and then get eaten. Then you have other people who are like, they are zombies. I don't care. I'm going to, you know, leave the people. Let them all become zombies. Who cares? And then they get eaten. And so in every relationship, there is a commentary. The, your, the characters are commentating. They never say Confucius says, but they're commentating on that methodology, on what their obligations to others are. And a lot of times it leads them into trouble. So it's a very interesting show to comment on Confucianism. It's Kingdom. It's a Korean uh, zombie, movie, zombie television show. And it's very interesting, especially the first season. The first season deals a lot with Confucianism and the relationships between, between people and government. Very interesting. And so it's successful as a governmental philosophy, even though most people will take on Buddhism as a behavioral philosophy. So... Um, that's where we will end with Confucianism. I hope you enjoyed. It's one of it's a very complicated philosophy, um, and I tried to do it with stick figures. I hope you enjoyed that, and good luck. <laughs> Fulfill your obligations. Be careful. Take care. Um, remember to carry your umbrella in the rain. Take care of those who you love, and be safe.